night is uh, we're going to look at a topic, uh, and I've, I've discussed this before, and this is probably a topic to me I bring across a lot in my preaching, but I just want to go from a little different angle tonight in relation to talking about dealing with wounded hearts and so forth, and uh, I want to look at a message called The Legal Transaction of Forgiveness. The Legal Transaction of Forgiveness. And I say that for a reason, because I think many times when we talk about forgiveness, and as a pastor, I, I talk a lot to people about this. Mostly everybody that I would discuss any type of problem with, I would deal with forgiveness, bitterness, because that is a big issue in basically everybody's life. And, um, and many times when I ask about, you know, whether there's anything, any, they got any bad, harsh feelings towards anybody or so forth, uh, many people, they kind of just glaze over those things because we don't want to admit that we've got harsh feelings towards people because we know that's not a right thing to do. But in, in our effort to just kind of cover it up, what happens is, is we don't deal with it adequately. And so that's why I thought the lesson like this coming from this perspective might be helpful in uh, just showing you exactly what, what will take place when you truly forgive someone. And what, it's a transaction. So it's not something I wait around for my whole life and, and, and something's happened to me and, oh, well, what is, what's the big deal? I, I don't worry about it and just go on as if it's just going to go away. And uh, realizing that many times it gets kicked up again, and I feel those things again. Oh, yeah, but I've forgiven them. And, but yeah, I can't point to a time that I actually dealt with that particular situation. There was a transaction that took place. And so with every offense, there has to be something that you deal with it with. It's not just going to, through time, dissipate and disappear. It'll be buried... It'll, it'll kind of feel like it's not there, but then something will happen and all of a sudden that thing will come back again and we'll be throwing it back in their face again, what they've done to us, you know. And so I just want to look at this particular uh, subject once again. I've dealt with overcoming bitterness in the past in relation to suffering and how, and I would encourage you, if, if you do battle with that, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that because it's very important to understand the place of suffering in your life. Uh, that's where most bitterness comes from. It comes from you going through suffering and then placing the blame on somebody else for your suffering. Instead of understanding that the Lord has allowed suffering and there's a place for that in your life and it's there to accomplish good in your life, not evil. Just like Joseph, you meant it for evil, God meant it to good. What a great illustration, one of the powerful, most powerful illustrations in the Old Testament. And so Matthew chapter 18, we're going to look at this parable here that Jesus gave the disciples when Peter asked, how oft shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. That's 490 times, you know. In other words, you'll stop counting, you know, in relation to forgiving uh, he says, yeah, don't worry about it, you just keep forgiving. And you keep forgiving until you don't need to forgive no more. Amen? And so Matthew 18, verse 23, it says this, There is a kingdom, there is the kingdom of... Uh, therefore, I'll get my eyes working yet. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. 
And when he had begun to reckon, now that's a, that's a, a financial term, that's an accounting term, so the word reckon, and notice, notice the illustration they're using is in relation to finances or to relation to accounting and numbers and so forth. And so let's go on here. One was, it says, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and children and all that he had, and the payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Basically the same thing he told the king. And he would not, but went and cast him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant! I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses." That's powerful. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you just give me the words to say in this message. And I pray, Lord, that it would have an impact in all of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a little bit of a low ring here, Ben, on the mic. You can just fix that. So the first point I just want to bring out, and I'm just going to go through this methodically. And it's a very simple message, nothing deep here. But the first thing is the king forgave the servant of a very large debt. And we saw that at the beginning. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and his children, all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, and forgave the debt. So the Bible illustrates forgiving sin as forgiving debts. Forgiving debts. That's interesting because in Matthew 6, verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so we know that the Lord is getting us to connect this here, that somehow within the aspect of offenses and forgiveness... There's an aspect of owing something. There's a debt that has been incurred and a debt that needs to be paid. And so those of you that have been hurt by somebody, basically it's like this. Someone owes you a debt. And you're holding that in your hands. That debt is within your power to forgive it like the king did or to hold it against him like the servant when he was wicked did. And so that's our illustration here. Now, the second point is the king 
expects those that are forgiven to forgive as he did. All right? And so that's very plain. You see that here. Uh, that servant went out. He said, pay me what thou owest, and he wouldn't pay. Uh, and then he threw him into prison. Now, when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? So he's saying, you owe me something here. Because I have forgiven you of all this debt, you owe it to me to forgive others of debt as well. And we know the scriptures, it's plainly written in the Bible, that if we don't forgive others, that the Lord will not forgive us. He says, why would I continue to forgive you when you will not forgive other people? See, many times I believe that people that are lost, they don't get saved because they have bitterness in their heart. And they will never forgive that person for what they did. And I, folks, I've talked to people that have gone through the residential school system. I remember in Kenora, and there was a man there. He was just so bitter and angry and humiliated and, and, and hurt and tormented over what happened to him in those schools where he wept on the, on the uh, parking lot of, of the Zellers there, and he was weeping before me, telling me what these people did to him. And he says, why would I want your Jesus? He was so bitter. So bitter. Well, as much as I tried to tell him about the forgiveness of Christ, he would have nothing to do with it. You see, because he was holding on to that bitterness, there's no way he could see the forgiveness of God in his life. He had to be willing to let that go. There's an expectation from the Lord for those that are saved to immediately forgive those that owe us something due to their actions. Immediately. We're not supposed to brood on it. We're not supposed to wait a year, two years. When there's somebody that has done an offense to us, the Bible says we're supposed to immediately forgive that person. We can't expect that from the lost. See, this is the thing. You go to the job site and you're going to work with lost people and you're somehow expecting them to do the same thing that you do and it's not, it's not uh, relevant. <laughs> do you understand that you may be the only one on the job site that forgives, even though they turn against you and you maybe forgive them, and then they continue to hurt you? And then you're sitting there, well, this isn't right. <laughs> well, folks, see, they, they haven't experienced the first forgiveness. They haven't had that large sum forgiven. They don't have the example in their mind. They don't understand the obligation that was placed upon us to forgive others because of all the debts that we've been forgiven through Jesus Christ. So we can never expect the world to forgive us for anything. But yet in the midst of this dynamic, we are, also, we are still expected by God to forgive everybody that does us wrong. Now, forgiving doesn't always mean you go up to them and say, I forgive you. Forgiving has really very little to do with your relationship with that person. Forgiving has completely everything to do with your relationship with God. When I deal with people and dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness, what we're really dealing with is them and their relationship with the Lord. And so we don't need to haul that person in. And I've had people like that 
bring that person in here. I want to talk to them. And I tell them, you don't need them to forgive. You don't need their repentance to forgive. You don't need them to say sorry for you to forgive. You don't need them to prove anything to you to forgive. In fact, they could be as wicked as they ever were, and yet you're still required by God to forgive that person. And that's, like I say, in many other situations, it's a blessing because we know that if that's the case, we can deal with the bitterness of our heart right where we are, whenever we are. Amen? If that person lives on the other side of the world, it will not hinder me from being right with God and forgiving that person. Amen? I believe that when we confront somebody over sin that they've done towards us, that we've already worked through forgiveness before the Lord, before we've met that person. You see, if you're waiting to deal with your bitterness till after you meet them, all you're going to do is become the judge and jury, which is not your place. See, you've got to be right with God before you talk. Well, then why would I want to talk to them? <laughs> You'd want to talk to them because you're concerned about them because they just sinned. And you want them to be right. So if you're not concerned about them and concerned about them being right and them living right and them being blessed and so forth, then don't go talk to them. <laughs> because if you think somehow they're going to uh, kind of comfort your bitterness by you talking, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> We've got to be very careful about stuff like that because most of the time these meetings just get to be mudslinging meetings. Well, you do this. Well, you <laughs> See, folks, even in marriage counseling, sometimes the marriage counseling, the worst thing you do is have them both in the office at the same time. You have to deal with their, their, their personal issues privately. And then, once you have those personal issues, then you can take them side by side, and now you can deal with the interaction with one another. But the problem is, most of the time, marriage problems, the basis of them is not even what has happened in the marriage or even that person. It's stuff that was planted in our hearts years before we met that person. And now we're sitting in this office throwing mud at them when they're not even the reason why we feel this way. That's why we need to deal with our personal stuff. Amen? And so there's an expectation that God has. He says, I expect you to forgive others because I have forgiven you of so much. And he did that when you came to him and received his son as your savior. You've got no right to hold the, the slightest bit of sin uh, issue against anybody else on this planet, even if they were lost. No matter how hard they treated you, no matter how bad it was, we have to forgive. We have to work through that. Now, the third point is when I refuse to forgive someone, I give the tormentors the right to torment me day and night. This is my decision. In Matthew 18, verse 34, And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So now he got placed in a situation where tormentors were tormenting him because of what he has done. Now, my issue is this, and you, you, know, you can have your own opinion on this, but the king says that I'm going to deliver you to the tormentors until you pay what you owe. Now, my question is, what did he owe? 
Now, you don't owe the 10,000 talents anymore. It was forgiven. So what do you owe? Why is it that I'm delivered to the tormentors? Why am I being tormented? Because now I need to raise up 10,000 talents to pay the king? No, he says, I'm going to deliver you there until you pay what you owe me, and that is to forgive like I forgave. That's what was owed. Not the 10,000 talents. When the Lord Jesus Christ forgave you of all of your sin, when you came to him at the cross of Calvary, that was placed under the blood of Christ. That was removed far from you. As far as the east is from the west, there's no way that he could ever even bring it up again. But what he can bring up is that you are not exemplifying the same compassion that he had towards you when he forgave you of your sin. That's what you owe. And until we pay that, until we forgive others, we deliver, we, we give permission to the tormentors to torment us day and night. And these tormentors, who are they? Are they the good angels? <laughs> no. Good angels don't torment. They are demons. It's demonic. Do you understand that bitterness will allow demonic presences to have their place or their power over your life to torment your mind? Say, oh no, God would never let... Well, yes, God has, and it's proven in Scripture because even with the Apostle Paul, he sent a messenger of Satan to buffet his flesh. And yet Paul was innocent. So we know very well that God has used demonic powers... If you're going to give permission to the devil, he's going to allow the devil to put torment into your life. This is no joke. It's no game. <laughs> it's not God tormenting you. God doesn't torment, but the devil does. And so when we give ground, that's why the Bible says in, in Ephesians 4 verse 17, it says, neither give place to the devil. When you give him a piece of ground, he has got every right to live there. And even if you're a born-again Christian, that's why even Peter, when he was trying to stop Jesus, he said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you go to the cross. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Because there was a piece of ground that Peter had given to Satan through his fear, fear of losing Jesus, fear and lack of trust and what the Lord just told him. He told him it's going to be okay. He told him there's a resurrection. But no, no, I don't want to go there. I'm not even going to let this start. Because I'm not going to go through this, this whole thing here. I'm not going to lose you, Jesus. <laughs> you understand? And so, there's tormentors. And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. The emotional problems in our life can many times have their source in our unforgiveness. I can't sleep at night. You know, it could be you're being tormented. And you can't sleep. That's why the Bible says, I give my beloved sleep. He doesn't torment you. <laughs> the Lord doesn't say, I torment you at night. He says, I give my beloved sleep. My place in your life will give you, to give you sleep. If you're not sleeping, now it can be health reasons, whatever. I'm not saying every time you can't sleep, it's because the devil's there. But what I'm saying is many times you're being tormented because you're not willing to forgive somebody. 
and you've been delivered up. Well, I just can't think of God that way. Well, then go on because you're going to go to your grave being tormented. <laughs> See, the reason why the Lord, allowed, the Lord allows you to be tormented is he wants you to pay what you owe. If he just let you go, you would never pay. <laughs> so he says, okay, you give ground to Satan. I'm allowing Satan, by my permission, to always take the ground that you give permission for him to, to be on. God wouldn't have to do that, but he did. Same with Job, remember that? I mean, you can't begin to understand that dynamic. <laughs> but all I know is when you decide to give ground through sin, through some other thing, what you're really doing is you're giving permission for Satan to work out his plan in your soul. And it's not peace and love. <laughs> it's torment, it's fear, it's anxiety, Oh, I know what, let's just go to the doctor, they'll just give me a pill. And guess what, it's not going to change the fact that you're being tormented and that Satan is tormenting you because you're not willing to deal with the problems in your heart. Amen? Number four, a believer must choose to forgive. It's got to be a choice. It's not just something I just say, oh, well, you know, it's not a problem. I, I mean, I used to think this way, now I'm kind of, you know. It's like so loosey-goosey. We're, we're pretending like, like forgiveness is something that just happens by osmosis or automatically as time goes by. And I'm sorry, that's not true. Forgiveness has to become a choice. For every individual that has done you wrong, you've got to come to that choice. We must... We, we don't ask God for help to forgive someone. That's not the right prayer. Lord, help me to forgive this. What you're really saying is, Lord, change my emotion about how I feel about this person so that I'll actually want to forgive this person. You're wanting him to change your emotion. Guess what he's not going to do? Change your emotion. He's not going to do that because he wants you to make a choice in spite of your emotions. Otherwise, it's not a choice. You're wanting him to make you a robot. You're wanting him to put everything in place where you don't have to be responsible for the decision you're making. You don't ask God to help you forgive. You go to God and you make a choice to forgive. In spite of how you feel. No matter how much it hurts, you have to make a choice. That's, it's a transaction. It's a transaction. I don't go to the bank to deposit money, say, I don't know if I feel like putting money in the bank. Help me to feel like it. I mean, my goodness, you make a choice, you're doing it or not. <laughs> Either put it in the account or go outside, take it home. It's your choice. But there's no in-between in this. There's got to be a choice. Forgiveness must become a transaction by choice to forgive the debt owed, even if you don't feel like it. Feelings are your enemy. <laughs> Amen. Number five, forgiving others is allowing God to deal with the situation as he sees fit. Many times your lack or my lack of forgiveness is keeping God from enacting justice in that situation. 
And God has shown us that in the scripture. When a believer cancels someone's debt, the debt is diverted to God's collection agency. Do you understand? Until then, it's within your power, your hands. He's looking at you. What are you going to do with it? He wants you to take that debt, forgive it, cancel it, and, and, and divert it into his collection agency. So God, once again, has the power to deal with that situation that he, the way he wants to deal with it. Amen? So really, we're taking a place in this situation that really is not ours to take. We are not there to be an intermediate presence in God's justice system. He needs to deal with them. And that's why Jesus, when he was on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So what he was doing, he was passing the offense instead of taking it on himself. The Bible says, but he committed him himself unto him that judgeth righteously. So he took all the offenses of the cross and he delivered them up to God's collection agency. <laughs> it was a transaction that happened on the cross that day. Amen? Now, justice is illustrated by a pair of scales. Equity is the goal in all situations with God. In fact, if you go to Proverbs, you'll, you'll hear, hear the word equity. Equity. The Bible says that a false balance is an abomination unto the Lord. So if you want to have a, a, a job where you're weighing out different uh, quantities and you're getting paid for certain quantities what happened in the bible days they would hollow out some of the weights to throw off the balance so they would get more <laughs> you understand and the bible says that's an abomination unto god a false balance because our god's all about equity because when he's all said and done uh, and all this is over this whole world is being dealt with there's going to be complete equity in all ways. That's why when you, need, when you got saved, you needed someone to pay for your sin. He can't just say, I'm going to forgive you. I talked to a, a fellow that was Islamic. and He just said, oh yeah, when, right before we die, if we just ask Allah for, to forgive us, he'll forgive us and then we can go up into heaven. The one thing I thought about is, where's the equity? Where's the equity? What you're saying is that he will accept your sin without a payment. See, they reject the death of Christ. In fact, they are vehemently against the fact that God could die and suffer for us. And what they've done is they've taken out of the equation the thing that balances the scale. Amen? There's no way that God could just forgive you without him placing propitiation on the other side you understand and so what's happening is you're making a choice when you're forgiving somebody you're saying lord there's no way that i can produce equity in this situation no matter how many meetings you have no matter how you work the situation it'll never be balanced <laughs> so you do what jesus did he took the situation and he committed it unto him that judgeth righteously Amen? So it has a lot to do with faith and trust. You're trusting God. 
You're saying, Lord, you can do better with this than I can, so I'm placing it into your hands. And then you let him deal with it. Amen. Romans 12, verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Repay. So here we are talking about sin again. We're talking about balance and equity, and he's talking about paying debts. I will balance out the accounts. I will pay the debts. I will pay what's owed in that situation. Amen? See, by you offering forgiveness is you saying, Lord, I trust that you're the only one that can bring equity to this situation. You get that? Proverbs 24, verse 17. It says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Do you understand that? He is turning away his wrath based upon our reaction to our enemy's tragedies. Think about that. (laughs) Many times you'll see people that you've been bitter against. And this is the way that you can actually tell whether you are bitter. When something happens to them and they finally pay that price, you're saying, see, you're rejoicing. You're rejoicing in their stumble. You're you're happy. You're glad when they're paying the price. All that is is just showing once again that you haven't delivered that into the hands of the righteous judge. Just recently, there's been somebody that I've had to work through that had gone through something, and I had to think about this. And what I did is I said, you know what, Lord? I don't want this person to suffer. You know, I had to deal with that in my heart. I, I, I couldn't rejoice in it. I couldn't rejoice in the suffering of this person that had hurt me. And so what we need to do is we need to take what they've done and deliver it into the hands of God. And then when they suffer or God deals with them, you will have pity and compassion on them. You may even end up phoning them and saying, I'm praying for you. You may be the catalyst to, that God may use to bring them back to himself. Because nobody is more powerful in that situation than you are in that moment. One that has suffered so greatly at the hands of another can be the very ones to bring that one to God in times of trouble. Because they're expecting you. They're expecting you to be glad about their downfall. And you tell them, I'm not glad about that. Amen? See, that's, that's what Christ would want us to do. So, knowing all of this, practically, what do I do? Well, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to talk to God. And the first point in that is, <clears throat> we need to forgive from the heart. And that's what he said in the passage there, that God will do this to every one of us that does not forgive from the heart. You know? Well, I'll do this simply because God said you're supposed to do it. No. No. What you do is in your attitude of prayer, you think about the offense that has been done to you. You think about the suffering that you have experienced at the hands of that person. 
And within that emotion and that turmoil of your heart, you say, God, I forgive him from the heart. There's no, there's no glory in saying, oh, well, from my head, I will forgive. No, you couldn't get saved that way. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. It had to be down here, not up here. Amen. So maybe you're counting on the stuff you've done up here is counting for something. I'm sorry, but he's saying you have to forgive from the heart. That means you have to face that pain straight in the face. And in that moment, you have to look up to God and say, Lord, I forgive this person for this pain that I'm experiencing and what they have done to me. Not in the moment of hiding from it, but in the moment of seeing it, in the moment of embracing it. Amen. That's forgiving from the heart. That's when you mean it. (laughs) See, because only when you go down to the depths of that and that's where you find forgiveness, that's the only thing that will keep it later on for when when it resurfaces, when the devil wants to put it back in your face. You've already been to the bottom of that. But if it's only in your head, you've never gotten to the bottom of it. You've never gotten to the heart of it. You've never been down there to actually deliver it to God. You get that? All it's been is up here. It's just a logical thing. No, it has to be from the heart. You have to get down to the bottom of it. You have to get underneath it. That's why many times when I deal with people, even that have gone through abuse and so forth, the key to delivery from that is to look it straight in the eye and go right back to the moment. You don't just say, oh no, we don't want to go there. Well, if you don't, then you're not getting it dealt with. It's a bunch of stuff that's in your heart and it's way down there and it's, and it, and it's found its place that's been there for a decade and you've got to go down there and meet it and say, you know what, it's enough. I'm bringing it to God today. Amen. Amen. Forgive from the heart. The second thing is cancel the debt. Once you know what the person has done to you, once you've gotten down to that, and you understood the suffering that you've experienced at the hands of that person, you say, Lord, I cancel that debt. This person no longer owes me. You make a choice to hand over the debt to God for his justice or for his mercy. Because you know that's where equity will be found. Amen. It's a choice that you have to make to live with the consequences of the offender's wrong rather than living in the bitterness of it. See, because when people hurt you, you're changed. You'll never be the same if you've been hurt. But that doesn't mean you won't be free. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be who God wants you to be. See, Joseph knew how to deal with it. He lived with it. He was in prison for literal over two years. He experienced betrayal by his brothers. Nothing's going to change that. Nobody's going to take that betrayal away. Nobody's going to take that abuse away. It it, it happened. (laughs) But in the forgiveness, what you're doing when you're canceling the debt, you're saying, Lord, I choose to live by choice with the consequences of what's been done to me. See, that's what Jesus did. He delivered up the offenses to the Father, but then he still went to the cross. 
He says, I'm still willing to live with the consequences of all of their sin on myself. I'm glad he did. (laughs) Amen. It's powerful. It really is. Cancel the debt. Third point is, bless the offender. Bless the offender. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Bless them that curse you. Wow. How do I get to that place? You can't get to that place without canceling the debt. You can't get to that place without making a decision to live with the consequence of what they've done to you. Saying, Lord, you know what? I'm willing to live with this. (laughs) And then you can take the prayer up to God and say, Lord, I pray that you bless this person in some way. Now, it may be that you pray for their salvation. That's blessing. You're definitely not praying for them to go to hell. (laughs) Lord, I pray that they'd be saved. Lord, I pray that they would get right with you so they can walk with you. I pray, Lord, (coughs) that they would deal with the wounded heart that they themselves have experienced that brought them to the kind of actions that were brought against me. That's blessing. Am is going to God and saying, Lord, I want them to be better (laughs) because of this prayer. I want them to be helped because of this prayer. Amen? Whatever that means, wherever they're at, (laughs) that's blessing. Then finally... Evict the tormentors. Evict the tormentors. Claim the authority given by the Lord in your obedience to forgive, to evict the demons that have been tormenting your life. See, folks, I know we don't like talking about that. Thing. Oh, well, that's those wacky stuff that's other. No, I believe they're there. I believe demons have done a lot of damage in, God, in the Lord's church. They are circling this place day, every time we... They're looking for a chink in the armor. They're looking for someone they can work through. They're looking for someone to hurt the church with. They're looking in your life for some way that they can torment you and hurt you by your permission. By your permission. So now that you've forgiven, you can reclaim that permission. I claim authority here over these tormentors. And I'm asking, Lord, that you take them away now. Because I paid. Do you understand that? That's all the king wanted. Is for him to pay what he owed. And if not, you'll be tormented the day you die. But once you've paid what you owe, and it may just be automatic. Maybe the devils will just leave. Maybe the demons will just stop tormenting you. Maybe you'll fall asleep that night and sleep like a baby. (laughs) Amen. For the first time in years. I don't know. But there could be where the devil's not willing to give up that easy. And that's where you claim it. Lord, I've been obedient to that which you've told me to do from the heart and I claim victory over this situation. And I'm asking you to remove these tormentors from my life and you put them where you want them to be. But I want them out of... And folks, it'd be surprised if some of you would start claiming the authority over the spiritual realm through the name of Jesus Christ. You could probably finally have freedom from the tormenting thoughts that you go through day after day. And you'll find that you won't want to sin as much. You won't want to do these things you used to do. You'll find freedom in your per life. Because the devil is on your trail. He's real. 
Like I say, I don't look for a demon behind every bush. <laughs> but all I know is if there is sin and there's bad behavior, there's bitterness, there's anger, there's all these things, you can be guaranteed there's a hook in there somewhere that the devil has placed by your permission. By your permission. And there has to be a desire. Folks, that's what I mean. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't really hurt, I don't really care about that person. I know they did me wrong, but you know, whatever, I'm just moving on. You're, you're pretending. <laughs> you're pretending. You're pretending to be spiritual to impress somebody. Stop it. Because nobody is being impressed by that. You need freedom. It's about you. It's not about me. It's not about the person talking to you. It's about you finally getting to the heart of the thing that's been dogging you all of your life. You need to take it seriously. Don't worry about impressing the pastor. So many times I'm sitting there telling me what I want to hear. They know all the answers. I don't want that from you. I know that there's something wrong by the behavior that you are exhibiting in your life. Whatever you tell me from up here, it doesn't change that fact. You're not living what you have up here. You're living what you have in here. <laughs> Do you understand that? That's why the double-minded man is unstable of his ways. <laughs> you tell everybody what they want to hear, but then you live what you really believe. And that brings torment to your life. <laughs> what we need to do is take all these facts that we know everybody is the, that knows is the right answer, let that sink down into here to bring it into balance, into equity. Amen? That's why salvation can't be in your head. Salvation must be in your heart. Well, I've been taught about Jesus all my life. Doesn't mean you're saved. Amen? You could tell names of Jesus' disciples. You could tell me how he died you could tell me where he was born. You could tell me everything that he ever did. But I'll tell you, if you have not trusted in your heart, you're still lost. This does not save you. This does. And that's why the Lord said, if you're going to forgive, forgive from here. And if you don't forgive from here, if it's just up here, well, the Bible just says, let's forgive. <laughs> he says, I'm not withdrawing the tormentors. It has to be down here. You get what I'm saying here? This is a powerful truth. It's what we need, amen? Evict the tormentors. Let's bow our heads. Now, I don't know where you are, whether the Lord has brought some situation to your mind, but if he has, can I ask you just for a moment, and the quietness of your heart to enter into that place. Enter into that hard situation that happened to you. And start talking to God about it. Why don't you say, Father in heaven, I admit that I have bitterness towards, and put that name there. And then you can say, if I'm honest, Lord, I have felt 
and name the emotion that floods your soul because of what that person's done to you. Maybe anger. Whatever it is. I've felt this because of what they did. And I've had to live with the following consequences. And you probably know what they are. Think about them. Take a moment. Think about the consequences that you've had to experience because of what that person did to you. Can you make a list in your mind? And then tell them, even though I may not feel like it, out of obedience to you, I choose to forgive this person for making me feel this way and creating these consequences in my life. And then say, I cancel the death them into your hands. Say, please give me the grace to live with the consequences of what has been done. And please heal what needs to be healed. Now that you've forgiven, deal with the tormentors. Pray, I now cancel any permission I've given the enemy and I command every demon who has taken advantage of my bitterness to leave now and to go where the Lord Jesus sends you. And then to finish off the prayer, say, I pray that you will bless this person by doing something. What is it they need? Tell God, tell God what you want. Tell God your blessing for that person in prayer. <clears throat>